You are now listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslit. Here is your host, Cephas Crosslit. Hey everyone, how is it going? We're about to end the year off, right? Um, yeah, it's nice and relaxing right now. I think I finished everything I have to finish. I got a big meeting coming up, but that has nothing to do with anything. That's kind of a given. It's a meeting. Um, it's an important meeting, but it's almost like I have it in the bag. Like I already, I already know. So it's just a formality at this point. So I'm done with everything I need to finish. And I thought, hey, why not put a button on this first segment series on Manifest Christianity. I mean, we went through all the steps so far. We talked about a lot of things. So we're gonna put a we're gonna put a button on this, and then hopefully the next episodes to follow, we could think of a, a new way, a different way to approach it. But if you have been listening to this podcast, you know where we are, and if you haven't, I'm going to review a little bit, but if you're listening to this podcast because you read that description of the podcast and you're like, wow, that that def- that, that describes me so well, and I just want to be, um, I just want to listen to it. If you're in this kind of, you know, journey or struggle or thing in your spiritual life and faith life, I want to recommend that you listen from the first episode and listen to every single episode because I talk about a lot of very um, important, interesting things about this whole topic, about uh, just this new approach, a different approach, not new. I think it's been done, but just not worded in the way that I do it. But if that's the case, please listen to the first and every single episode before this, um, just so you can be caught up. If not, and you're just entertained, Hey, I love entertaining, so that's that's great. If you are a Christian, here we go, and you have been struggling, uh, not like in the sin kind of way, but you've been struggling because you've been going to that church for some time now, and it doesn't click yet. You've been trying, or maybe it's a worship team or or a faith group, a Bible study group. You've been going you know, but it hasn't clicked yet. You've been trying, you know, you've been giving, you know, your life to God, whatever the heck that means. You've been surrendering. You've been doing it off God's power, not yours. You know, all these phrases, right? You've been um, reading and listening to the quote unquote pure word of God sermons, right? These are a bunch of taglines, you know, you hear very common, but you've been, you know, in it, you've been in the trenches, you've done mission trips, you know, whatever, everything but it still doesn't click where you need it to, you know, where it really matters. Like it doesn't quite make sense. Now, whether if it's like um, a difference of culture of what the Bible is portraying, you know, it's like an ancient culture and you just don't get it. If it's like that, or, you know, just translating and interpreting those things into our culture today, whether it's that, or maybe it's just the whole idea of being conservative and holding on to, 
you know, just traditional values and um, ethics and stuff like that. Whatever it is, um, it just didn't fully click and you're wondering what you're doing there. And my thing, my approach, manifest Christianity approach would be like, hey, look, where you are right there, if that, if that describes you in any way, where you are is is in a perfect place you you're going to either stay there or you're going to see what you can do about it and my approach is to say do something about it and separate yourself from that group because it's doing nothing good for you right now i mean I'm, they might be great people might have been, might have a lot of good history a lot of vulnerabilities that was shared you know a lot of things you just kind of separate and, um, you know, try not to go back. Try not to be um, jaded, right? And don't attack them or don't, you know, you're going to have Stockholm Syndrome. You're going to be like, I want to go back even though that it makes sense. Don't do that. Just separate. And now you're on your own. Go off on your own. Go to different churches. This is your faith growing. You're, you're stretching yourself. You know, listen to other people's sermons, read a lot, research yourself, study the Bible for yourself. Not as this spiritual kind of achievement, but yourself because it's so important to you, right? And doing all this, we go into the steps of manifest Christianity and it goes absorb, contextualize, envision. And then we're going to talk about the last step today. But you got to absorb the things when you have separated from that church or that group that has been holding you to a certain certain kind of Christianity that, that just didn't work out for you this whole time. And you're venturing off, you're listening to sermons, you're reading, you're studying. In this season, you need to be absorbing Okay, you need absorbing the word of God, the Bible, absorbing the things of God, you know, um, disciplining yourself somehow. It's, it's on you. It's not on anyone else. Don't be like holding yourself accountable to some pastor or some friend. This is all you, okay? Absorption and humility, you know, coming at all these different things in a way where you are not above, but you are learning. Um, you absorb as you grow, you know, as you challenge yourself, you absorb as you do all sorts of different uh, things just so that you can make sure that you're doing it right for yourself, okay? And so we absorb as we listen, you know, we, we're, we're praying, but we're also praying in different ways because the way we prayed somehow wasn't it so you were looking for different ways to pray different ways to read the bible right and you gotta wait just as long as you waited for for it to click with these other churches that didn't make sense now you're actually on your own and not depending on handouts from other people really you gotta wait maybe even longer than you did for the other stuff but that's just part of the game it's just part of the approach. You absorb. And after you absorb, 
This is a long time of absorption. In fact, I would say absorb never goes away. You are constantly absorbing. Let's say you read the Bible like five times already, front to back. And you're like, okay, I, I kind of don't want. It doesn't mean that you're, you're stopping to absorb, you know. When you hear another person's sermon or when you hear someone talk about the Bible, you absorb through that. Not necessarily because you are taking in the message or the morals, but it's just that the, the, the word of God is being spoken and the word of God is being um, kind of exegeted or talked about in front of you. And just that by itself, not necessarily you receiving a message and you being changed by it, but just that by itself, that is absorption, that, that you look at that, that you run into that and you're like, that might not be for me, but I'm, I'm digging it. I'm receiving it in that way. Not in a way that, oh, I'm going to be changed by this message this person is speaking of, but I'm receiving the fact that you are speaking or this other person is speaking the word of God and something's being spoken and I'm taking it in. It might not be for me now, but it might help me some other time with something else. And this is, this is one of the aspects of the ways that I'm talking about absorption. Like your whole life should be that. You got to be a nerd for God, a nerd for the Bible, okay? That's really what I'm talking about. Like you're just, the Bible is just so awesome to you that, yeah, you geek out over it, but not in a way where it's like you're geeking out because of the spiritual high. You're geeking out because it just means that much to you. And I'm not talking about like those evangelical churchy type people who are like, yeah, I'm passionate the Bible because I want to see people saved. I ain't talking about having a passion to see people saved, please. I'm talking about you wanting to be close to the words of God, to be close to the things of God, like a church or people of God, just because it's that important to you. Not because you want to save some people, not because you want to change yourself or anything, but because that is the passion you have for that word of God. Because you know that that is huge part of your life this is absorption it happens every day i am always absorbing i don't necessarily read the bible every day but when i read a little bit man like i read like a little verse you know just to do my job at church you know i'm getting ready for something and just that little verse do not know how much it gets to me and it doesn't matter if people know this or not. Oh, do people observe me? And oh, they see tears in my eyes when I see a verse. And so that must mean I'm... I don't give a F. It's not about what other people think. And I'm just explaining this to you just because I want you to be... You, you to understand the details of what I mean by absorption. But you understanding that I feel that way and I get that kind of reaction from a simple verse of God. I don't care if you know that. I'm just saying how it is. The true desire and the passion to take in the word of God, no matter where it is, not because you are the receiver of the word being preached in any way, although that's one way of getting at it. But if it's not like that, I don't see what a problem is. But you're literally just there because you love the word of God. You love listening to the word of God. Will it speak to you? Who cares? If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't, right? It's seriously like that. So absorption. Absorb is so important. So important. 
It is part of the whole manifest Christian. It is how you manifest is this love. You just need to have this kind of love. So if you don't, man, work on it. Something about the Bible has to like click in your interest meter to even work. If it doesn't, I'm sorry. I don't think this manifest Christianity approach, it will even work for you if you're not excited about the Bible. And I'm not saying like, oh, get all excited, like, oh, learn. I mean, but that could be like learning all the days and this and that or the chapters or whatever, whatever it takes. You know, if you have a genuine interest, that's what it is. Absorption. So important to be excited, to read the Bible, to hear the word of God. Like I, I. I'm super, like, if you've been listening to me, I'm very liberal in my theology, right? Uh, uh, very um, progressive, right, in my theology. And I trust me, I hate listening to people uh, preach when they got that dumb old, like, Baptist type of um, line of thought, you know, fire and brimstone stuff, like Presbyterian type of evangelical type of preaching like there's always a mention of jesus there's always a mention of sin there's always mention of repentance you know you know you, you gotta you gotta put in the quota right i hate those messages but it doesn't mean that i'm not absorbing it like i hate the fact that they're doing that but when the bible verses are referenced when they're being spoken of when they're uh horribly being exegeted even in that sense i am just just drawn to the Bible, you need to absorb the things of God, the things of Christ. When you do that, when you have that in your life, the next step will be to contextualize. And this, it was kind of a fuzzy, very blurry, I feel like the way that I uh, described it or talked about it in the last few episodes. Hopefully I can do it justice a little better. But contextualization, what I mean by that is simply being able to understand things after a moment of kind of taking it in, all right? I, I kind of said it was, it was kind of like, you know, um, a change and not necessarily a change in your personality, but definitely a change in kind of the way that you hold the priorities of what is important. Um, and that is definitely something that must be changed. Um, contextualization is important because it's the only way we could understand anything. And the moment that we do not want to contextualize, contextualize the moment or a person, right? That is the moment that we're not, even getting close to manifest anything of Christ. And so it almost seems like in a gist of it, it seems like I'm just saying you need to accept everything. But I'm not saying you need to accept really. What I'm saying, what I'm trying to say here is, listen, if you are absorbing and you're, you're taking that step very seriously, there should, I feel that there should not be a moment where you don't, where you don't consider that God is at work or moving or that Christ 
the spirit of Christ is there with you. And what I mean by that is, <clears throat> if you think, if you do something that is off, it makes you not a Christian, right? Let's say you do something or you're involved with something like, let's just say like, it's dumb talking about this, but like, let's say you're, you're at like a party, right? This is so dumb. And you're like, oh, should I be here? Does that make me a Christian if I'm at this party where well, pe where people are smoking weed or drinking alcohol and just doing illegal drugs? You know, the people having sex in rooms. Should I be here? You know, this is like a one. It's like a college question, right? It's so dumb. It's like a high school question, but I'm just asking because it's some dumb general question that came out of my head out of nowhere. But in situations like that, what I am trying to argue is that. If you are already absorbing the word of God, the things of God, and even the stuff that you don't like, you know, when things of God are being said, like pastors that you don't like, preachers you don't like, you're listening to them, but you're still absorbing because you still see it, right? You still see something good in that. If that is being done right, I feel, then if you're in a situation like you're in a party or if you're in like a bad influence party, the question of, oh, does this make me a Christian or not because I'm at this party, that question shouldn't even arise. Because you're already, if you're in the manifest Christianity approach, you should already be looking. You should already be seeking, you know, just... Even in that kind of zone, even in that kind of area, even if you're a little buzzed, right? It doesn't matter. You're walking, you know, ball of pursuit of God, basically. And it doesn't matter if you drink. It doesn't matter if you smoke or party, have fun. It doesn't matter because wherever you go, wherever you are, you're already, your desire is there. And so when that happens, what I mean by contextualization is that in that moment, right? Let's just say in a bad party, you're able to contextualize because you see you're already looking for God. You're already trying to see what's good. You're, you're trying to see if the spirit of Christ could be found. And if that's where your true heart is, you're going to look at people different. You're going to be like, oh, where do you come from? Let's contextualize, right? The situation you're in. Oh, you're at a bad party. Contextualize it. Well, maybe you're here to be the light. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you're here because you need to talk to somebody. And I'm not talking about like, oh, Christianity is all about, you know, fortune telling type of stuff, like Zodiac type of stuff where you kind of tell the future or, or I'm here by a divine appointment. Oh, God told me this. God told me prophecy. I'm not talking about that. All right? I'm just saying. If you contextualize the moment in some situation like that, perhaps it's not that bad. It's not bad that you're at this kind of party. It's not bad if you do this kind of work. Because when you are desiring the things of God, you're able to contextualize that. And guess what? Your life is your life, right? Who cares what other people think about it? 
doesn't matter. So when you are absorbing every day, it's so much easier to contextualize because the people that you run into, you're, you're still looking. And you're like, wow, does this person that I'm talking to, this stranger, have characteristics of God that I could really use, that I love in my life. I love characteristics of God in my life. Does this person I'm talking to have a spirit of Christ? Can I bring the spirit of Christ into people, into relationships in my life, into events, into situations? In order to do that, contextualization is needed to understand the moment, to understand what is happening rather than to jump to conclusions, jump to judgments, jump to reactions that might not be received well by others. I hope this is all making sense. If it's not, please message me. Oh my goodness, please message me. Contextualization is the next step. Listen, if there is something, anything that you are not able to do, if there's anyone that you're not able to talk to because you're a Christian, then I feel that you are a useless Christian. If you're being irked by people because they're different and you cannot interact with them because they just don't do things right, and so you speak to them in a different way, you react to them in a way where it's definitely not welcoming or loving. You are useless. You are a useless Christian, okay? If there are moments in life, if there are situations in life that prevent you from being there, because, oh, you know, that's just too evil for me. Oh, that's too sacrilegious for me. Uh, that's a little too, you know, sexy for me. Whatever it is that's driving you away. If there are, if there's anything, it's not that, oh, you're a pure vessel for God. No, you're just a useless vessel for God. What you going to do? Be pure to the point where you're actually making a difference? So you're going to stay away from everyone, right, that you deem as unclean in some way or, or other, and then you're going to change the world that way? Give me a break. Jesus came to a freaking barn. That's the story. Born in a, in a feeding trough, right? Are you kidding me? cannot help people you cannot bring healing to the spirits of people who are hurting if you have anything that prevents you you know if you're truly absorbing Christ and the things of God Contextualization is, is automatic. You might want to call this empathy, but I feel it's being like Christ. Not letting anything block you. Not letting anything stop you. So now that 
the gates are wide open. You have a true love for God and the word of God and the things of God for prayer, right? Messages, just researching, just loving everything. And there's nothing now to stop you. Perhaps at first you were a Christian who had a lot of limits. Perhaps before you used to be a Christian that you only did certain things and, you know, blah, blah, blah in that direction. Maybe you were reading the Bible because you were pressured to eat your daily bread or maybe you were kind of peer pressured into praying and so your view of church might be just kind of like this kind of collective of people who are just influenced by each other which usually most churches are really it really is perhaps when you were a Christian before You, could, you couldn't possibly see yourself interacting with certain people because it just felt wrong. Or, or live a certain life, work a certain type of job, be a certain type of person. Because walls were put up for some reason and you're wondering why the things of Christ hasn't been manifesting in your life you're wondering why you can't see God working hmm? you're wondering why you can't see the spirit of Christ living in the world as much as you went to church, as much as you prayed to God, as much you were part of that praise team forever, you were part of that AV media team forever. You know, you you were doing, you know, you were doing the outreach forever. You were doing the food banks, blah blah blah, doing all this. You were part of those groups, those small cell groups, whatever you want to talk about. You went to Bible college, you went to seminary. You were a pastor for this long, maybe, <laughs> and you still. Do not see God manifesting. And you're just always looking and looking. You're like, what's going on? Come on. How can you see Christ moving in and out and through your life? If you are avoiding, ignoring and putting blinders on in your real life. Like, like in, in your real life, you're just, you're not living your life. You're living a life of fear of some reason. I don't know what it is. You're scared of people. You're scared of people who are different. I don't know. You're wondering why you can't manifest Christianity. Well, 
it might be because you had the wrong kind of Christianity. They're trying to make you think that Christianity is all about beating yourself up and then beating other people up because you're beating yourself up and you're telling other people, hey, you got to beat yourself up because that's what I'm doing. And I'm doing that because the people told me to do it because that's what they're doing. Beat yourself up. You limit yourself to certain kinds of living. You believe in just weird stuff that doesn't make sense. You say you know what the Bible says, but in reality, no one really does. Yet, these big traditions and rules are made and you wonder why you're confused and why other people are confused. Yet, they're just holding on and it's just this weird kind of long-term marathon. Like, people just hold on to this. They never manifest Christianity. Yet, they hold on for their whole life. And they never experience the true freedom in Christ. True freedom. No walls, no fear, no judgment. Just living life, exploring, seeking in every corner if God is here or there, if Christ can be found. It's, it's the life. It's the life. Contextualization. Very important. After contextualization, like let's say this is all good for you, right? Let's just say you're absorbing and it is good. You are just doing it. And contextualization, hey, it is your middle name now, right? That's It's just working. Next step is to envision. To envision what kind of faith life you want to have. It's not that hard now. And what I mean by that is literally like, do you want your faith life to be just kind of not the forefront of your life, but you just kind of want it to be on the side. Well, that's great. Fine. You could live that out. You could still find ways to see God everywhere in that kind of lifestyle. Do, do you envision your faith life like you are someone who brings healing? Yeah. Envision that. Pray about it. Envisioning is just so important as well. I feel people don't have vision. People don't. People are afraid to dream. People are afraid to look kind of like into the into the near future even. Just say, hey, what if this is possible? Listen. What if it's possible that when you go to a church, you don't have to hide behind a fake smile or whatever? 
you can find just people who are just awesome that kind of rejuvenate your spirit and you do the same to them. You want that kind of faith life? Envision it. Just think about it, at least. (laughs) Gosh. But look for those things. Envisioning. It takes a lot more than you think. People are scared. They're like, oh, I don't want to be selfish. I'm a little modest. It's like, how do you be selfish with a vision? It's yours. It is a God-given ability that you could see the things that are not there. And this is what I'm talking about. When you are absorbing and you are just contextualizing every situation just to make sure that you're just understanding what's going on, envisioning is not that hard of a step next because you're literally just, it's just smooth, right? It's just a smooth transition from here. Just boom, boom, boom. You're hitting all the steps and you're envisioning. You're here. You're like, what do I want to do? What do I want to do with my faith life? Well, here's the thing. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Do you want to help the hungry? Dude, that's so easy. It's so easy. Just pray about it. Do it. You know, envision. Look look at it. What, what does it look like to you? And all of this, really... Envisioning is really one of the faster steps, but all of this ends with manifest. This is the final step to manifest. You absorb, you contextualize, you envision the kind of faith life you want to have, and you manifest it. All right? How does that happen? Manifesting isn't like magic and something just appears in front of you, right? Of course it's not that. Most of the time it's you doing the work, but you're just so kind of in the zone, right? that you don't even notice it happening. That's one example of manifesting Christianity. Manifesting, this step isn't very clear because just this this step alone is so very individualistic. And what I mean by that is When you follow these steps and you come to the point where you're literally you're literally seeing in front of you just God working and you're like, "Wow, how did I get here?" So it's not necessarily like a culmination and and boom, like the conclusion right there, like you know, right flat right there. It's not that. But when it is when it does come to fruition, it becomes that. But what it really is, is more of this process. 
not necessarily just the process, but it's just a personal and individual kind of assurance, a an affirmation, a confirmation. And so all this stuff about this manifest Christianity, it's all individual. It's all personal. This is not a book. This is not an approach that like 12 people can do together and they can like share each other's paper and be like, oh, what did you get? What did you get? It's not really that. It's really your own journey. And this manifest part, it literally, it's it's basically the result of you absorbing, of you contextualizing, of you envisioning. The result is that you manifest. The result of desiring the word of God, focusing, being humble, growing, listening to the voice of God in, in different ways, just that, right? Moving into understanding. That's wisdom, really. Just understanding the moments and people. And then that, that is just literally you opening your, opening up. No longer being closed. No longer having, you know, the limits. But now you're opening. And then envisioning what you want your faith life to look like. And then guess what? You're already aligned. And the result is these things start manifesting in your life. Listen, manifest Christianity is not about, oh, I want to manifest a thousand people to believe in God. Get out of here with that. This is an individual a personal thing, all right? Manifest Christianity. You cannot get even 10 people to manifest Christianity and be everything the same. This is so just personal, all right? So to you, you are Christian. Who says you're not Christian just because you don't believe one or two little tenets of whatever denomination or whatever, right? You are Christian. Well, if that's the case, just love the Bible. Seek the Spirit of Christ. Understand and be a person who understands. And look toward what you want your life to look like that is driven by faith and spirituality centered in the scriptures of the Bible. You will then start seeing God working. You will see the Spirit of Christ moving in your life. And these things that happen, these movements in your life, all these things I'm talking about, it's not like a one-time thing and it's done. These things just keep happening. And sometimes you're like, oh, is it done? No, it's not done. 
Just because something's not moving doesn't mean that it's done. And you, as you absorb the word of God, as you absorb the things of Christ, you will start to manifest so much in your life that people will notice. And guess what? Everywhere you go, you're going to run into things. It's a manifest Christianity. Christ is being manifest everywhere. You, these are tangible things at times. Like think, People could feel it. People could see it. They could hear it. Manifest Christianity. All right. Let's take a break. I might come back and visit this in another episode, but I think that's a good one. We're going to take a break and um, we're going to come back, talk about what's happening in the church. And today we're going to do a new uh, book of the Bible because we finished Mark. We're going to be doing the book of Jonah. And I might just read the whole story. All right, let's take a break. Hey, all right, we are back. Um, wow, I'm so glad I finished the book. Um, that's the blueprint right there. So if you ever want to come back and see what, manifest christianity approach is all about just come these first uh i guess 17 episodes as the blueprint what's going on at church a lot of stuff as usual i'm i'm uh, in the under the impression that People in church, because of this, you know, stay-at-home, you know, pandemic quarantine thing happening, um, that's dating this episode so well. Anyways, um, I feel that it's it, it might affect people in a way where people are going to be even more important to each other. It's going to be interesting how that works out. I've been thinking a lot about how it's going to affect my ministry when I come back, when everything is kind of back, and whether I should just move to a different church or not, right? This is a perfect time to leave, really. People won't think differently. They'll be like, oh, yeah, well, it's a pandemic, whatever. But this church that I'm at, it's good. It's just that it has the same old issues, the same old problem. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm kind of done with Korean churches now. I mean, I said that many times before, and I'm probably going to go to another non-Korean church and come right back to another Korean church after that. But I don't know. Something about Korean churches. I mean, I explained on all my episodes so much about how much I don't like it already. I don't think I have anything else to talk about. So perhaps I could talk about something else. Let's talk about leaders who are obviously um, not the best leaders. But churches just keep them anyways because they're people, I guess. I don't know. Could you think about any pastors in your life that you knew they were just kind of 
they did not, you know, get it. You know, they're either the worst speakers ever. It's the worst, you know, people, people, person, you know, they just didn't understand ministry at all. Have you ever met anyone like that? Have you ever worked with anyone like that? Well, I have, and I still do. It's the worst. It's like, you could tell that, you could tell that the members of a, how do I say this right? A bad leader, how they, they give so much grace to that bad leader. The members are just so nice and they feel bad. It's, it's, it's hard for, for them to leave. And I just want to just address that today. It's, I feel bad for congregation members who have bad pastors, you know, incompetent, lazy pastors, because they know they could do better, but how you going to get rid of a pastor? <laughs> I know of churches that had to do that, but it doesn't happen enough, I feel. But how are you going to have a pastor that's lazy, that's incompetent? And it's like, no wonder their, you know, group never grows through past a certain size. And it's like, yeah, I see that a lot with, with, with Korean churches. And it, it's really because they want to keep the Korean culture. And what happens is, it just doesn't work like that. Like they, they feel like international students come to, come to America and they want to have that Korean church experience. But I don't think that that's exactly what's happening with Korean international students. I feel they come to America because they want to experience American things. But when they find a Korean church, it's kind of like their crutch, you know? It's like they miss it so much, they, they use it as a crutch. And what it does is it actually doesn't give them a good American experience because they always had this one little sanctuary and they don't have a true experience of being thrown out in the wild, you know, and just working your way out. They, had, they, th they were thrown in the wild and they found some sanctuary and they got a little pampering. And that's, what's ha that's what I see happening in Korean churches, especially with like young adult ministries, college ministries. It's like, it's like they want to keep that Korean culture alive, but then it only goes to a certain point. Like it works, but to a certain point and at the end, just like, what are we doing? You know, like we're in America. Why are we bringing Korean stuff here? Like, it's great. Oh yeah, I miss, don't you remember this in Korea? Oh, don't you remember this in Korea? Oh yeah, it's great. And it's just like, how far does that go? Yeah, anyways. All right, we're going to try to read the book of Noah, the whole thing, really. It's not that long. And then maybe talk about it or not. Whatever, here we go. The book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on aboard to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. 
But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing sound asleep? Get up! Call on your God! Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, so that we know, so that we may know on whose account this, this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land. But they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried, then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood for you, O Lord have done as it has pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, from the belly of the fish, saying, I called to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord 
and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon the dry land. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk across. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's walk, and he cried out, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed the fast, and everyone, great and small, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Then he had a proclamation made in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, no human being or animal, no herd or flock shall taste anything. They shall not feed, nor shall they drink water. Human beings and animals shall be covered with sackcloth, and they shall cry mightily to God. All shall turn from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. Who knows? God may relent and change his mind. He may turn from his fierce anger so that we do not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. But this was very displeasing to Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, is this not, is not this what I said while I was sitting in my own country? That is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and ready to relent from punishing. And now, oh Lord, Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah went out of the city and sat down east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord appointed a bush and made it come up over Jonah, to give shade over his head, to save him from discomfort, from his discomfort. So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came up next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the bush so that it withered. When the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint and asked that he might die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And he said, Yes, angry enough to die. 
Then the Lord said, You are concerned about the bush but which, for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than a hundred and twenty thousand persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? Wow. The book of Jonah. I don't know what else to say. That's a great story. Um, let's see. I don't know. What do you want to talk about here? Not really much, you know. It's a great prayer, he said in chapter 2. Great prayer. It was the non- Believers of God who spoke to Jonah, right? And and it was the non-believers of God who 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 prayed to God, right? Uh, chapter one, verse uh, fourteen. Uh, that's what I kind of meant to say. Like they're literally praying to God, like in a way where like you would think of. Uh, you know, an Israelite or a person, people of God would pray to God. So they are, yeah, praying. They know that this God is serious. Chapter 3, Jonah did what, you know, he was told and it worked. But it's funny, you know, um, verse 10 in chapter 3, verse 10, it's like, Oh, God changed his mind and he didn't do it. Oh, great. You know, I wonder how Jonah feels. Oh, you said you were going to punish the city. I did the deed and you didn't punish the city. I mean, you told them if they changed that you wouldn't punish the city. And so they changed and so you didn't punish the city. So, okay, great. Something's a little weird there, right? I don't know. It's just weird. How do you do that to people, right? Oh, if you don't change, God's going to punish you. Okay, we'll change. See, God didn't punish you. <laughs> That's basically what happened. This story ends in a cliffhanger, and that's one of the reasons why I like this. It's just, I feel the story is kind of like about me. Yeah, I really do. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. All right, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. This is great. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Please email me, message me, any questions, any comments, feedback, um, just where you are with all this that I'm talking about. Manifestchristianity at gmail.com. I'm Cephas Crosslet. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week. Later. You have been listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet.